to the Data Driven Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, we explore how to transform your company and career through data-driven decision-making. Want to become a data storytelling aficionado? Then sit back, relax, and get ready to unlock the true potential of your data. Here's the host of the Data Driven Podcast, Dominic Bohan. Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast where we dive deep into getting more value from our business data. Whether you're a data professional, leader, or just curious about developing data skills, the Data Driven Podcast is here to guide you on your journey. I'm your host and the co-founder of StoryIQ, Dominic Bohan. Yesterday, Adam and I talked about learning and development tips from Disney. Today, we're going to continue our conversation and discuss data-driven HR and performance development. Okay, here's my conversation with Adam Hickman, Vice President of Organizational Development at Partners Federal Credit Union, a Walt Disney company. Adam, thanks for joining us again on the podcast today. Thanks for having me back. So we previously explored Disney's approach to learning and development. How does data-driven HR tie into Disney's overall strategy for employee growth and organizational excellence? Yes, uh, great question and top of mind on a lot of talent officers that are out there and just conferences I continue to hear on how do we use data to advance our people. One effort we're doing at at Partners is we've rolled out a set of competencies. Our starting point was not just to roll these out and offer training, but really pause and calibrate on where are we related to these competencies. And I'm sure, you know, if if you've been a part of a competency framework and work, there's there's so much out there between Deloitte, Corn Ferry, Gallup, all of the big consulting firms out there have their model or, or words, more to speak, on uh, what the competencies you should be using. So our effort went into is that we looked back at industries, job demands, profiles, talent, I mean, all of that, and distilled it down to the competencies that we have right now. As an executive team, we pulled together to say, if these are the ones that we're going to use, before we start development, we need to use data that we have and also our own calibration to say, where is it that we'll begin with this to know our area? So imagine, let's just say, take five competencies and fill in the blanks with what they are. We started with the evaluation and calibration of from an executive team, where do we believe we are based on skills, behavior, and knowledge? So our team and organizational development built the evaluation sheet to use as a subjective measure for us to evaluate each of our VPs on that type of scale. Then as an executive team came together to say, all right, let's calibrate. And the nerd in me said, I'm less interested in the the words of the people. I want to see the data side to this, to know from a VP level of those five, where are we strong and where are we not? So when we in turn invite L&D to the show, I'm now going to be able to say the curriculum that we've built at a VP level we're going to turn this, you know, think of a gas grill. We're going to turn this knob up the loudest or the the hottest because that's where we're showing from a calibration side that we need our skills to be aimed at the most to keep advancing on our strategy that we have. So before the training, those are the things that were taking place. Then as we get into the actual training of it, we're going to differentiate a little bit is everybody's got ways that they evaluate training. And, you know, Kirkpatrick's model has been around for for decades on how to do so. I use a little different of approach, which is community of inquiry, which focuses on items from Kirkpatrick, but it's really more on the cognition piece of 
did you come into here and learn something different that's going to change the approach of how you work? If I did, if you did that, then it wasn't lunch that you got most excited about for training. It was the actual content that we, you know, we sought after to ensure that we're going to change behavior. So competencies and know what we need to change. We're now going to evaluate the return on that session itself in a different way. And if, if you're not familiar with community inquiry and you're, and you're listening, it's a fantastic model. I'll chat your ear off about it. On the other side of that is the true return on investment to that is, is the study longitudinally done to say, based on the objective of that course, the way in which that they absorbed and took away, then in turn, what metrics does that influence or change on the other side of that? There's the string to, to pull straight through to say, this company was our aim, this objective is what we did, and this is how we're going to look at it. To know, was our subjective way of evaluating where we need to advance people done right, or do we need to go all the way back to the front of the line to say, our opinion was this, but now let's introduce a 360 at the beginning of the evaluation piece back at that competency to validate that actually is a true gap. Yeah. Can we go back to that evaluation and calibration stage? Yeah. So if you're not doing a 360, what are some of the other techniques? Is it self-assessment or peer assessment or competency assessment or a combination yeah. of all three? Yes. <laughs> this is where you got to roll up your sleeves and there is work involved. So we've created two sheets. One is an Excel sheet that if I pulled up on screen, I feel like some of our executives are like, oh my gosh, that's a lot. <laughs> but we've literally broke it down to light items between knowledge, skills, and behavior. And then underneath those three categories, we've got very pointed behavioral-like traits for each one of those or skills or those pieces to be able to rate on a scale of not a one to five, but it's like beginner, novice, advanced, expert. So the intent is not to weaponize this evaluation sheet, but just to give us a baseline on in terms of development, because that's what this is. So this should not be a weapon. This should be done for that sense of it, for us to get an idea of, okay, so if we're, if we're based on these five competencies, where, where's Dom the strongest at? So me going into that, I've plotted mine. Right? And every executive has paused to think about other VPs for us to pause and think through, where are they at? Then the calibration session is we're all going to come together. I want us to hear out on where our thoughts are. So if I think, let's just use a competency of building relationships. If I think that Tom's you know, really strong at building relationships, he's actually advanced, almost an expert on certain things where he could write the book on it. But my peer thinks, ah, I think he's just a beginner. I think he's a novice. The calibration and the beauty in that conversation is that it's aimed at development of advancing our people. So the behind the scenes, I'm loving it. The, the in front of what's taking place is you're hearing thoughts and opinions from others, which is their perception and their reality of where we're at with certain pieces. So imagine a room if that's happening of all the people. Sure, it's subjective, but it's also a healthy conversation and just keep advancing the people because at the end of the day, it's still development to what it is. Now, if we start with that, at least we've got a healthy dosage of knowing and it wasn't just L&Ds coming forward and saying, we're going to offer a curriculum that's going to evenly spread out all of this. No, we're not. We're going to amplify the content that needs to be done the most because if your curriculum advances your organizational strategy, then it's done in a way where you use data up front to tell that story. And it's so much more fun at the end when you do get to tell the full story of why and what we did when you've got success in hand, but also you, your starting point wasn't just a, shot in the dark it was more of we calibrated we listened we measured 
then we executed and then we've you know we're at where we are today so is this all out in the open where people are rating each other's competencies is this done in a live session yeah so someone will say hey dom you are yeah. actually a beginner yeah it's a so here's mm. the fun part it's in a group of intact executives that have built trust with one another that no so you, you have me so that you've got senior vice presidents you got vps so you're facilitating the session i'm coming into that session unless you're talking about me because then i gotta dip out because that's awkward coming <laughs> into that session yep. really as the facilitator to how do we keep advancing the ball down the field what this is so i'm not going to let us you know there's not going to be a big war debate be like well you said expert you said beginner mm. so you know touch gloves and come out no i'm going to say okay so if you said expert behaviorally support that mm. you said beginner let me hear the behaviors things that you've observed that tie to what that is and then the common ground you've got to, i mean you got to know what you're doing in that conversation to say okay so here's what i'm hearing here's what i'm not hearing where's the common ground between the two and it's not like i'm trying to negotiate them to meet in the middle it's that it's your perspective and your opinion. Just make sure you can support it. Because mm -hmm. when you go to an employee that you've done a calibration or an evaluation on, and, and you know they say, hey, collectively, we think you're a beginner. And the reaction is like, well, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I think I'm this. Okay. So um, you want to tell me why we're so different? It's, that's the fun part of the conversation of it. It's, it's never about the number. It's about the gap. So the gap mm. is this. So let me talk to you about why we calibrated to this. And here's the behavioral and examples that we did see or did not see that led us to that. So we're saying the focus is not on, let's give you a number. Let's give you a score out of 10. It doesn't really matter words like beginner or expert. What matters is what skills do you need to learn to do your job better? Yeah. Yeah. You think of any data-driven period. The best thing I learned uh, from Gal's chief data scientist was it's less about the number and more about the exploration of the number mm -hmm. the number's it right it's locked in now what are you going to do about it what caused that what's the after effect of what that is how can you go after and chase it that's the after action piece that people sell after it's not just and you know it's fun that sometimes i always hear in a data anything it's like all right yeah we kind of knew that was going to be the case all right, <laughs> well, <laughs> we spent time money and effort to get us to a confirmation state we're not done now, what caused that? Or, you know, there, there comes a dialogue to what it is. So in a one-on-one -on -one conversation, when you're debriefing what this is, think of a 360 if you've ever been through one. I always say, don't do one without a practitioner attached to you mm. or open them late at night, right? Sometimes it can wreck your night. But if it's done with the intent of, if, if you've self-rated yourself as awesome, well, the report's going to tell you you're awesome. But then you've 360 and you got other opinions and there's a huge gap between your stellar rock star and others think maybe you're just getting in you know, just get started with stuff. Who cares about the number at this point? Tell me about the gap in between and how did that happen? What's the story to be told there? What's in the verbatims or other items that you can look at to say, geez, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't know that. So I guess that's the story I've got mm -hmm. to chase or I've got to course correct. So same thing in this calibration piece. So the number tells us the aim for development, but mm -hmm. the stories to be told is the gap in between. And so the stories are really the gold the gold data that we're yes. trying to mine, that's what's actually going to inform the decision-making. You're not going to sit there and make decisions based on, well, I aggregated the scores and the average number for this competency is this, and then make decisions yes. based on those numbers. Yeah. Let me tell you a story about ketchup. <laughs> okay. This is a great, this is a great Heinz story. I sit outside of Cleveland. They're in Pittsburgh, so I got I to gotta wrap my hometown here for a sec. 
Do you remember the old ketchup, the glass bottles? Did you ever mm-hmm. use one of those before? Many times. What's the big problem with those? You can't get the last bits out. Get stuck. You can't get it out. Everyone's got a strategy. Like, you, know, you tap the Heinz button, or some people stick a, a knife up there to try and get it, and then you get way too much, and it's just a mess. Mm-hmm. Heinz is the greatest example of quantitative qualitative because quantitatively, it made sense to use those bottles over and over and over. Qualitatively, they heard from their customers, we can't get the ketchup out of the <laughs> bottle. So now what's in stores today? Squeeze bottles. The upside down squeeze bottle, right? And maybe you find the nostalgic places that still have the glass bottles, but yeah. there's your prime example. Diners still have not the always bread. the number. Yeah. And every time I see it, I laugh. I'm like, well, I guess we're not going to catch up today. It's more for show than anything mm-hmm. else. But there's your story. of The numbers supported it, but the narrative did not. So what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, we're going to chase after the story because that's where the gold's at. I think this is something a lot of people have trouble adjusting to. A lot of people think of data as numbers, spreadsheets, charts, traditional sources of data, and are perhaps sure. uncomfortable making decisions based off anecdotes that can't be formatted yes. in a structured way. How can we help people see the value of anecdotes? Feelings are facts. And this is where I, I think we, when we talked behavioral economics versus true, you know, hardcore economics on transaction to dollars. Let's play this out. Do you have anything in your Amazon cart right now? No. No, okay. Some people do. Some people have a lot of stuff in your Amazon cart. And here's the trigger to this feelings or facts. You have a dollar amount in your mind that is an impulse dollar amount. Mm. But if I said, you know, you're going after something, it's $2, two-day shipping, yep, order. Mm-hmm. But then you get to the point of like, well, it's $150. So I have the same reaction. Uh, I don't know. There, there's a little drawback. So maybe I'm going to read the reviews. Maybe I'm going to scan to see where else I can get it. So feeling the fact. The feeling of that is I'm not 100% certain, but I'm going to try and find what I would call confirmation bias on why I should buy it anyway Mm. uh, elsewhere and confirm what that is. But the transaction itself is the quantitative. You get one item for $1 amount and then it's yours. But how we think, feel, do, how we think about it, how do we feel about it? We're building the story because we're an emotional type of reactionary in a behavioral economic sense. You could translate that to the workplace. Here's how you know this. There's managers walking around your building, your organization that are talent magnets. And what I mean by that is they're so good at what they do that there's other people in other spots of the business that want to join their team, even though they might not have a clue what they do, but they just, <laughs> they see and interact and witness engagement at a peak. And so the feeling of that is the behavioral side of what that is. So when you're quantifying your numbers, it is the data portion of that, but then the feeling side of that to what caused that, what's the behaviors that drive that. That's where I hear people say they take action and I rarely see it because it's so driven on, well, then we just need to go do this. This is the one thing that will get us there the fastest line to finish. Like, well, you're right. And you know, here's a good example of this, COVID. Layoffs were the answer for a lot. That was how we're going to survive because the numbers supported, this is how we course correct this right now. So we're going to go after it. Then everything opens back up and you see the lift. And those organizations had to go back out and get the talent that they lost in the layoff side of it. Well, good luck. Because the talent pool that's out there is enormous. (laughs) I mean, just wide open space. And those that you had to let go during that time period now have options. I mean, every now and then I always look at job job uh, posting sites because I want to see how we're describing things. It's a... um, 
it's a personal hobby of mine to see what what are how are we trying to draw talent to organizations and is it done more from a sense of DIB is it done from a sense of describing um, the roles responsibilities I'll tell you my personal preference of this is I've I learned this a long time ago about a dog whistle analogy is that if your job posting is done right the whistle's blown and a certain breed's going to come running mm -hmm. and that breed is the most talented that you want coming in the door so you got to get it right which is list the things that they're going to do get excited about responsibilities expectations those that are out reading they're like oh my gosh i want to be responsible for that i need to yes make that an expectation of mine i'll take that all day long versus you see the some postings like we want you to be fun and exciting and innovative mm -hmm. and all the hoopla related to that I'm like well uh, okay but what else do you want me to do because mm -hmm. I, I can do that on saturdays i don't need to do that monday to friday i think there's another good example of of quantitatively this made the most sense but those organizations that did not cut that minimized the possibilities of where and and found ways to use that time period to re-energize parts of the business maybe they hadn't that took the hits where they could and came out on the other side of still the same or a smaller amount and it's just it made their story so much more real internally but also less in the cost of now we don't have to go back out to market and try and steal from a talent pool that's just all over the board. We've talked about data-driven HR and performance development. What we've seen today is that the key is not so much in getting precise and accurate data in the traditional sense and numbers. The key is getting numbers that we can use to draw out anecdotes and stories about what's happening within an organization and then use that information to inform better decision-making about learning and development and also about recruitment and bringing the right people and attracting the right people to the organization. Yes. Thanks. Okay.